Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. to lead us, to help us choose the right ways, the right paths. God, would you continue to lead us in that way? Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our King. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our friend. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for being the demonstration of the love and mercy that we so desperately need and crave in our lives. Thank you for being our God. And now, Father, as we turn to the pages of Scripture, as we read these words again, would you move in us? Would you stir in our hearts, our minds, our hands, and our feet? God, today, would you teach us how to love better? We pray this in the name of the one who is love. Amen. You can be seated. It's been great to sing these songs of worship with you today. I appreciate our team up here leading us every week. You know, some of you know this about me, but my roots, uh, my ancestral lineage is uh, Tennessee hillbilly. You, you know this about me, right? My people are from the sticks in the hills, on the hills and the hollers of Tennessee, North Carolina. So anytime they pull out the banjo and that great big fiddle, I get the feels in a, in a way I can't quite express to you. That, that's a, for, for me, that's good stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. It was great listening to you sing and us praising God together this morning. Uh, one quick announcement before we dig into our sermon time this morning, and that is a reminder that next Sunday is our annual congregational meeting. Uh, we do this one time a year. We'll approve our budget for the new year. And, but to make that kind of special this year, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We want to invite you to be here next Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, 9 o'clock, we're going to have breakfast together, hot cakes and sausage and all kinds of goodies uh, next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And then our congregational meeting will begin uh, approximately, or hopefully promptly at 9.30. And we'll be done with that about 9.45, 9.50 in time to move in here for our 10 o'clock service. Uh, and we'll worship together uh, here in person and online as well. So again, next week, breakfast at 9, congregational meeting at 9.30. And then our service um, service will be at, um, at 10 o'clock. Uh, Doug, could you do me a favor? Could you reach over on that sound? Since sound, pull my microphone down just a touch. It's the one that says Larry there on the right. Just pull that slider down. It's a little ringy, um, at least up here. That's better. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, we are in a this summer a sermon series. We're journeying together all summer long through a passage of scripture that we call the fruit of the spirit. Thus, the fruit pictures uh, beside me. We're going through this passage we call the fruit of the spirit. And the big idea all summer long, the big idea as we read this list from Paul, these fruits that Paul lists for us in Galatians chapter 5 is that these fruits, these characteristics, these, these traits, these um, characteristics, the best word, they, they, these products of our lives, that these are the evidence that you are a follower of Jesus, that when you follow Jesus, this is what shows up in your life. This is not like, well, I, I, I kind of want to get a little bit of love and a little bit of peace and a little bit of patience, but I'm going to skip self-control and goodness. No, these are the things that show up in our lives when we are following Jesus. These are the fruit of a life that is connected with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is living in us, residing in us, moving in us. These things overflow out of that. These are the character qualities that are evident in our lives lives when Jesus leads our lives. Now, as we are making our way through these one at a time this summer, 
the, through the fruit of the Spirit, we are recognizing that these fruit, these, these are the evidence of what success looks like for an individual as they follow Christ. It's not the bumper sticker, it's not who you vote for, it's not what t-shirt you wear, it's not even what church you go to. The evidence, the proof of the success for you as a follower of Jesus are these nine fruits of the Spirit spilling out of your lives all over the place. That's the proof. Also, and this is important, we've got to say it like this too. This is also what success looks like in the life of a church. I'm talking about a local congregation. I'm very specifically talking about the local congregation of the Church of Christ that meets at 2012 Pleasant Valley Road in New Philadelphia, Ohio. I'm talking about you, us, together. This is what, when we, when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit lives in us, when we are filled with Jesus, this is what is spilling out from this church. This is what this community sees from Faith Christian Church. Or not what we're against, but these things. The, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that spill out of us as a congregation. These, this is what our community sees. So when somebody says, what church you go to? Oh, we go to Faith Christian Church. Oh, that church, that's so good to the community. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea. This is, the, the, this is what success looks like in the life of a church. And let me say this. These character qualities are not hidden. You can't say, I'm going to be good, but only, you know, around my, my family. I, I'm going to be kind, but only at work. No, these, these character qualities are not hidden. They are visible. They are displayed for, in our lives so that people can actually see them. That's why the Bible calls these fruit. Think about this for just a second. Note this. It's interesting, I think, to know that fruit, I'm thinking about trees and plants now, fruit always grows above ground. Vegetables, they grow all over the place. They don't care. They grow in the ground, under the ground, on the ground. They don't care. They just grow all over the place. But fruit, all fruit, always grows above ground where it is visible. And that's what these fruit of the Spirit have to be in our lives, where it's evident, where people can actually see them. They're not hidden. So as we follow Jesus, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, this fruit begins and continues to be evident in our lives it's noticeable it people can actually see it it's visible so let's read this together we've done this uh, the first couple of weeks of this series already i want to invite you to read this out loud with me nice and loud galatians 5 22 and 23 let's read this list together these two verses together and just let this ring over us as we dig into our next fruit this morning let's read it together galatians 5 22 and 23 read it out loud with me but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives here we go nice and loud Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God grows these fruits in our lives. When God gets a hold of our lives, when we surrender our lives to, to his lordship, we talked about that a little, we sang about that a little ago. When we surrender our lives to Jesus as the leader and the forgiver of our lives, God will, God will, if we let him, God will produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Last week, we talked about the first one of these fruits, love. Love. And we said last week that love is kind of the, the linchpin that holds all of these together. You cannot talk about any of these other fruits without recognizing that love's at the top of the list. Because love filters down into every single one of this. You can't do gentleness and kindness if you don't have love. Everything begins with love. So that's where we started last week. That's the first one on the list. I think it's at the top of the list on purpose. Today we look at number two, joy. 
joy here's what you already know there are a lot of people that are not experiencing joy today and i believe that some of them might be in this room and some of them might be watching this broadcast online there's a lot of people in our world that really want joy and they wish they had joy they're looking for joy but it's simply not a reality for them for a lot of people for a lot of times it's more of a uh, suck it up buttercup kind of existence for a lot of us and what i want you to see today is that god doesn't desire that for any of you have you ever heard someone say well god just wants me to be happy you've heard someone say that before god wants me to be happy well sorry to burst your bubble but i don't think that's accurate i don't think god cares about your happiness he cares about your holiness but i'm not sure god cares about your happiness because nowhere in scripture nowhere in scripture are you guaranteed happy matter of fact nowhere in scripture are you even commanded to be happy but all throughout scripture God shows us his desire for his people to be joyful. And there is a major league difference between happiness and joy. Now, in English, we, had, we talked about this with love a little bit last week. In English, we kind of use these two words, happiness and joy. We kind of we intertwine them, use them interchangeably. Even though we use them as synonyms, they are dramatically different from one another. I would describe the difference in, in is that happiness... Happiness is a term that generally should be used to describe our emotional state. Happiness is an emotion. We talked about this a little bit last week with love, where love is not an emotion, because love is a command. You can't command an, an emotion. I can't command you to be angry. That's an emotion. I can't command, God can't command us to be happy, because that's an emotion. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness is also circumstantial. It's situational. Happiness, you'll hear it, happiness depends on what is happening. You hear the connection? Happiness depends on what is happening. When something happens or when things are going well, when the circumstances or situations of my life are, are going well, they will evoke an emotion in me of happiness. And it is possible, you've been here, it is possible to be happy to be ecstatic in one minute and literally in the next second your circumstances your situation changes and you are no longer happy now you are frustrated now you are angry now you are sad that's how emotions work they're a roller coaster but that is not how joy works where happiness is built upon circumstances and situations, joy instead flows from within us. It's an outflowing of God's Spirit in us. It's not circumstantial. Joy does not depend on situations. Let me say it like this. Happiness can be faked. Happiness can be a facade. I can put a facade on so you don't know how much I'm hurting. I can make you think I'm happy. Happiness can be fake faked joy cannot be faked because joy flows from such a deep place inside of us not based on situations but based on according to galatians 5 based on god getting a hold of our lives and as we follow jesus our lives being lived and led by the spirit of god happiness depends on what happens to you joy depends on the dependability of god can I say that again? 
Happiness depends on what happens to you. Joy depends on the dependability of God. C.S. Lewis is one of my, my favorite authors. I've quoted him often from this, this platform before. One of his books is entitled Surprised by Joy, which is kind of an interesting title, Surprised by Joy. But when you understand his story, you get this. He realized when he became a Christian later in his life, he became a Christ follower. He was he experienced, as he began to follow Christ later in his life, he experienced this new sense of well-being, this, this new sense of contentment with life that he did not anticipate when he decided to follow Christ. Thus, the title of the book, he was surprised by joy. In Scripture, the words joy, joyful, or rejoice are used a, com a combined 330 Times God wants his people to be characterized by, to be known for their joy. John Maxwell, the great leadership author and guru, he says this, joy is the fruit that is never out of season. I like that. The prophet Nehemiah says this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That sounds backwards to me, does it you? We think it ought to read, the strength of the Lord is my joy. But that's not what it says, is it? The joy of the Lord, that's my strength. Let me say it like this. Christ followers, Christ followers should be joyful people. Well, I don't know about you, but I've known a lot of Christians who could really brighten up a room by walking out the door. <laughs> you know that person too, don't you? All right. <clears throat> and if that's where you find yourself, being, man, there's... There's just not much joy in my life. I want to read to you today an ancient song. We, we have this song in our, in our Bibles in Psalm chapter 30. You actually read part of this for our call to worship this morning. I want to read this psalm to you, and then we're going to kind of walk through part of this ancient song because God is giving us some promises here about our joy. Let me read it for you. Psalm 30. I'm going to read the whole thing. You, you read it on the screen. I'll read it out loud. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. That's happenings, what happened. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. Well, what is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silenced. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. 
Well, let me walk through this Psalm 30. I'm going to hook my thoughts today on this word joy, J-O-Y, is kind of a way to help us remember a little bit this morning. God says first that he will give us, here's the J, he will give us joy that will outlast the hurt. God will give us joy that will outlast the hurt. Several times in this Psalm, David talks about things are going pretty badly here, God. Kind of need a lifeline, kind of need some help, but God, I called on you. Things were going badly, but I called on you. I was weeping, but then you brought me joy. Mark Twain, the great American author, said this, human beings are happiness machines and suffering machines in the same body. You recognize that about yourself already, don't you? You're a happiness machine and a suffering machine in the same body. Twain goes on and says, life is a give and take of these two experiences. Now that could sound like happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad. Half the time I'm happy, half the time I'm sad. But that's not what Psalm 30 indicates. Psalm 30 says, sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name for his anger lasts only a, say that word, moment. Only a moment. But his favor lasts, say that word, a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Catch this. It says that God's anger lasts just for a moment. But God is going to give you a rejoicing that is going to last. God's faithfulness to you, his favor to you, is going to last a lifetime. And when you are in the middle of the hurt, it may feel to you like, I'm... I'm never going to find joy again. But God's promise in that moment is, I am there with you in the hurt. In the hurt. There's a great verse in, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, about Jesus and joy. Listen to this just description of Jesus. He says, the writer says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And here's, here's the description of Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. The cross doesn't seem like a very joyful place, does it? But he knew what was on the other side of the cross. He was willing to suffer on the cross so for the joy that was on the other side of the cross to bring you and me into a relationship with God. That's what the cross did. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now, here's the joy. He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. The principle here, this J principle here, is that our path to joy is recognizing that joy will outlast the hurt when I do it God's way. Here's the O. O in joy is our joy in God is rock solid. Our joy in God is rock solid. There's even a mountain metaphor in the text. Did you catch it? Listen to verse 6 and 7 again. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. David says, when I look around and I say, God, you, you made the mountains. You made the rocks. And what you did for me, God, is you gave me a solid foundation to build my life on. A solid foundation to stand on. You see, some joy, like happiness, some joy is fleeting. So joy can be lost in the moment. But when I say, God is my strength, God is my refuge, God's love is what I base my life on, but the, as the foundation of my life, you may quit loving me. I hope you don't, but, but you may quit loving me. You may let me down. 
But God so loved Larry that he gave his one and only son for me, for you. And that's a rock-solid mountaintop foundation you can build your life on. When I put my feet on the rock of God's forgiveness, on the rock of God's love, on the rock of God's presence, well, then weeping may come in the night, but joy is waiting for me in the morning. Now, I've got to be careful here, because I, I don't want this to be some little, like, pop psychology, don't worry, be happy, little cliche-type sermon, because it doesn't work that way. You know this. Sorrow is real. Grief, trauma, those are real things. And pain? <laughs> Don't we learn a lot more from pain than we do from pleasure? But when pain steals my joy, when it robs me of what God has given me, I've got to say, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm standing on the rock. And because of that, I choose to trust in God. There's a beautiful phrase here, there towards the end of the psalm in verse 11, where, the, where, where David says to, to God, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. David is using some metaphors here. The word wailing, that's not crying. That's not weeping. There's a, there's a Hebrew word for weeping. That's not the word that David uses here. This word is for that moment when but when I was sitting next to my grandmother at my granddad's funeral and they began to wheel the casket out and she began to cry like I've never seen a person cry and her head's buried on my shoulder and she is wailing. You know that experience, right? She's wailing. That's the word here. And David in this beautiful phrase says, I was screaming out in pain and I put my cares on you, God, and instead, because I put my cares on you, instead of screaming out in pain, now I was able to shout with joy. I was clothed with, clothed with sackcloth. Sackcloth in, in this ancient culture, sackcloth was the cheapest, plainest clothes that an Israelite would have had. Why would you put that on? Not to go work in the garden. If someone died in your family, if there was a tragedy, you would do two things in this ancient culture. First, you would take off any clothing, anything that was colorful or shiny or blingy. You would take that off. If you had new clothes on, you'd take off the new clothes and you would put on the old, shabby, drabbest, plainest garments that you had. That's your sackcloth. The second thing you'd do is you'd reach over into the fire pit and you'd get some ash and you rub it all over your face. The reason? It was to say, I am not washing. I am not dressing up. I am in mourning. I am wailing. I am going to sit in the pain. And David says, God, every time I've put on my sackcloth, every time I've had to rub the ashes on my face, every time I have taken my hurt to you, and I've said, Lord, I am aching, I am hurting, I am lost, I am broken. You have turned my wailing into dancing. You turned my sackcloth into clothes of joy. That's why Paul gives us this, this command in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. There's that fruit of the Spirit again, evident to all. All right, here's the why. 
your joy is meant to be shared. Paul is telling us here that your joy, that you are supposed to be a joy billboard. That, that, as, a, as a Christian, you, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a joy billboard. You say, <laughs> you don't know what's going on in my life. Then, but, but, but what did Paul say? Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Always. And you need to know this. Paul wasn't having a good day when he wrote this. He wrote these words from prison. It's a pretty good story. Let me tell it to you. It's a, you find it in the book of Acts. Paul and his team are traveling. They go down to this city called Philippi, and when they get down there, they end up being attacked by the crowd. Just the, the public begins, begins to attack them. And so then the Roman soldiers show up, and you think, oh, good, the, 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 the authorities are here. They'll save them. No, 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 no. The soldiers basically turn them over a rock and beat them. They whip them. They flog them until their backs are raw. And then the Roman soldiers throw these guys, and Paul and his, and his companions, they throw them into prison. So get the picture. They are beaten up. They are bleeding. They are bruised. They have open wounds on their, especially their backs from the way they've been flogged. And they are sitting chained up in a nasty prison dungeon type cell. And the Bible says that about midnight in this setting, at about midnight, Paul and Silas began singing praises to God. You want to guess where they're finding the words to these praises I bet it was in the Psalms, the ancient songbook. I, I, they, they grew up singing these songs. As a matter of fact, it's possible, I, I can't prove it, but it's possible that they were singing in prison these words from Psalm 30 that we read just a minute ago, that you have turned my mourning into dancing. You've turned my sackcloth into clothes of joy. And there are other prisoners in this prison cell with them. They must have been thinking, well, these guys must have got hit in the head. What is going on with them? They're in prison, they're beaten, they're about dead, and they're singing praises? What's up with that? It gave Paul and Silas an opportunity to say, can I tell you why I'm singing? Let me tell you who can turn your mourning into dancing. Who can turn your sackcloth into clothes of joy. When joy is flowing out of our lives, even in the midst of pain, it's noticeable. It's a fruit. And people will wonder, What's up with that? What's, what's going on? And you can say, can I tell you why I have joy? Let me tell you why I have joy. Now, if the Bible calls on us to, to, have, to have that as, as a billboard, calls on us to demonstrate it, let your gentleness be evident to all, he says there in Philippians 4, 4, you and I, we ought to be professional praisers. We ought to be good at it. We ought to be joy sharers. Boy, your faces don't look like that right now. If we're the ones going to heaven and we look like we're going to the dentist, we have a problem. My dad has said many times, a lot of church people look like they got baptized in pickle juice. <laughs> you know. We need to practice being joyful. We need to practice because out there, According to the surveys, according to your own awareness and experience, out there is a world that's getting more and more pessimistic. A world that thinks there's nothing worth living for. And we have a chance as followers of Jesus with the fruit of the Spirit evident outflowing of our lives, we have a chance to show the world 
to share with the world that there is something worth living for, that there is a place where mourning is turned to dancing, where sorrow is turned to joy. There is joy if you're willing to stand on the rock. There is joy if you're willing to get to know a God who made you and who loves you and who wants you to know I'm going to ask our communion team to go ahead and take their places and get ready to serve us. As we get ready to take communion together this morning, let me tell you the story of the puppy and the old dog. This is a great little story. The puppy says to the old dog, old dog, I have mastered dog philosophy. I have figured it out. I have learned that the best thing for a dog is joy. And joy is in my tail. So therefore, I am chasing my tail, and when I catch it, I will have joy. And the old dog says to the puppy, I too have judged that joy is a marvelous thing for a dog, and I agree that joy resides in my tail. But I have noticed that when I chase it, it runs away from me. But when I go about my business, it comes after me. Here's my point. We can't chase joy. It just doesn't work that way. We can't chase joy by going on vacations or earning more money or buying more things. That's happiness, potentially. But it doesn't last. Joy comes when you are chasing after Christ, who has come chasing after you on the cross. And as you live in him, joy will follow. Let me pray for you. Father, we, we all could use more joy. Forgive us for trying to manufacture it as if it were a widget in a factory. Forgive us for trying to buy it as if we could order it from Amazon. God, help us to find it as you give it, as we walk with and live in you. Jesus, we thank you that for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. We praise you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen.